Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Tonight, uh, I have a kind of interesting teaching for you. And um, as we've been walking through the Gospels, you know, uh, in a chronological order, and seeing the harmony of the Gospels, and so sometimes we're in John, sometimes we're uh, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke together, or, or maybe Matthew and, and Luke, but we're following the timeline of Jesus' ministry, and uh, we're doing it in a way where the Gospels have, are putting together the puzzle, you know, to walk through. And, and it's important at many times to get all four accounts so that you can, you can understand what's being said, because sometimes it looks like there are contradictions. And so one of those things that I'm going to talk about tonight is when Jesus called his disciples. And if you read um, uh, just Matthew's gospel and then, and then read some other places, it, it's going to look like, well, this doesn't make any sense. You see him show up in one place, and then you see him, like, calling them later on, and then you see him calling them again, and you're like, what's going on here, you know? But all of it uh, makes sense when you put it together in the right way. And when you put it together chronologically and understand through the gospels, these things open up. So I'm, I was very excited to bring this to you tonight for you uh, avid Bible studiers, obviously you are, because you come to church on a Wednesday night. Hmm? Turn to somebody and tell them, you're avid. Right. <laughs> avid Bible studiers, all right? So, um, and so the Gospels contain the, these accounts of him uh, calling the disciples, and sometimes it can be confusing. So, but the key to understanding, really, uh, Jesus' calling of them is to read all four accounts. So we're going to walk through that together. I, but I'd like to, is this the only microphone that we have available tonight? The only wireless? The only wireless? Okay, then I'll just read them myself. I was going to assign some reading tonight, but for the sake of our recording, we need it all recorded. So, all right. But it's also not only, not only for us to understand how this worked, but it's, uh, you know, the, the timeline of him calling the disciples, but also to have some knowledge of the first century culture of that day, and, and especially the rabbinic practices. So I think some things might get cleared up for you. I know they did for me as I researched this and, and worked it out, uh, so hopefully this blesses you tonight. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, and it says, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. <clears throat> then he said to them, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Notice that. It says they immediately left their nets and followed him. All right, verse 21. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them. And immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. So, the behavior of Peter and Andrew and James and John just dropping their fishing gear and immediately following uh, Jesus, doesn't it seem abrupt? Maybe a bit reckless. They just, oh, I mean, these guys are businessmen. They have, fam some of them have family. Peter for sure had a family because Jesus, you know, we talked about where Jesus healed his mother-in-law. So we know he was at least married and just walks off. And so if you start reading just Matthew, you start in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, and you read all the way through to this part, part right here, then you'll get the idea that Jesus had never met these four men before. But he had. 
it seems unreasonable that just because a rabbi walks by and says, follow me, I mean, even one as powerful as Jesus, that someone would just immediately leave their profession. It used to baffle me when I was younger. I never could quite understand it. I just always thought, man, Eric, you're not anywhere close to that spiritual. All you had to do is say, follow me. I'm like, all right. Well, where are you going? He said, follow him. But we're going we're gonna to unlock some things tonight to help bring some clarity to this because that, that's not an accurate account, an accurate understanding of what was happening here. All right. Should we still follow him? Yes. But this is going to really be a blessing. The key to understanding both Matthew and Mark and Luke uh, and the synoptic gospels, what they're called the synoptic gospels, is to look at John. And um, so we're going to go to John chapter 1 for a moment. When we read all four, let me just kind of set the stage here for a moment for where we're going. When we read all four of these gospels, we see that Peter, Andrew, James, and John knew Jesus. And in fact, not only did they know him well, uh, but they were already his disciples when he called them from their boats. They're already his disciples. Isn't that interesting? Um, so, actually, we'll see that he called them from their boats on two different occasions. So, the key to these records is the gospel of John that we're looking at. All right? And, and Andrew and Peter will see that they were actually spiritual men um, and uh, that they were serious about the things of God before Jesus showed up. Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist, if you remember that, that he's... He was one of John's disciples. Let's just read it. And before he ever met Jesus, John chapter 1, verse 35. Again, the next day, John stood with the two of his disciples. This is John the Baptist. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Wow. The two disciples heard John say that, and then John's two disciples started following Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, or translated, teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. And one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So this speaks volumes actually about Andrew, the kind of man Andrew was. He was a disciple. He wasn't just someone who was out there in John's audience. He was one of his disciples. And Andrew understood the message of John the Baptist, which included that the Messiah was coming, and he understood what John was here to do, obviously, because if John shared it with the people when they asked him, are you the Christ, or, or who are you? Uh, and he says, I'm not the Christ, I'm not him, I'm the one to prepare the way of the Lord. I, I'm the one that it was written of that said to make his path straight. And so you know that he taught this to his disciples, I'm the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. So when he points to Jesus and says, behold the Lamb of God, Andrew believed him. He'd heard about this. He'd heard that this is John's the guy, and he's going to point them to him. And the day he did, Andrew said, then I'm going with him. But before going to Jesus, he made a little detour and went and found his brother Peter. And we picked that up in verse 41 of John 1. Look at this. John 1, 41. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated to Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated as stone. It's interesting to note that Peter did not balk at that. 
Peter didn't say, that's not my name. Who do you think you are to call me some other name? I have my father's name, named by my father. But apparently, Peter, Peter was also a man who had a spiritual sense about him and believed that Jesus was the Messiah and then received that name change in that moment. So they already had this uh, spiritual sense. And, and then the next day, Philip and Nathaniel, these two other disciples, began to follow Jesus, along with Andrew and Peter. And this was before John was arrested, because he's standing right there, right, saying, that's the blame of God. So from John's account, we have these four, right? So we have who? Are y'all, did y'all hear a word I said? Okay. Andrew, Peter, Philip, and Nathaniel. I say it all together. Andrew. Peter, Philip, and I'm going to check in on you once in a while so that you stay on track because it's important um, to, to make sure that you, you're getting this, all right? This is really cool. So uh, before John was arrested, and, and this also happened before Jesus actually moved his ministry to Capernaum. This is important because it shows that these guys were following Jesus even and even believed that he was the Messiah before John the Baptist was arrested. All right? That's important to know. So, all right. And this is before Jesus called them from their boats the first time. These four guys, and probably John and James were in that mix too, uh, because they were partners, business partners with Peter and Andrew. All right? So they probably heard Peter and Andrew talking about this man Jesus, and more than likely they were probably in that group. So there's four to six guys. All right? They were only... These guys that were there at the wedding of Cana that had been invited when Jesus turned the water into wine. I, I've always imagined that all 12 of them were there, but they weren't. The other guys didn't come till later. All right? Let's go to, back to Matthew chapter 4 for just a moment and look at verse 12. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. So, see, Matthew chapter 4 is later than John chapter 1. This is later on in Jesus' ministry. Now John's gone. He's been thrown in prison Time has gone by, and that way, and in leaving Nazareth, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum. This is when Jesus moved his ministry, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali. We're going to jump down to verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then right here, 18, and Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Why? Because they're already his disciples. But now the discipleship is getting ramped up. Now it's getting ramped up. All right? It's intensifying now. The ministry of John is over. Jesus is now, his way has been prepared, so he's stepping into his ministry, and now he's going to need these guys on a more regular basis. All right, so they're still businessmen. They're still doing their job. And most of their fishing was at night on the Sea of Galilee anyway. I don't know when they got time to sleep, but, but during the day, they were going to follow, they're following Jesus, and they were listening to his teachings. All right, and then going on from there, all, James and John, the same thing. All right, Mark chapter 1, you can jot this down if you're taking notes. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20 is this account again. So you have the Matthew account and the Mark account, Okay. Now, verse 20, I do want to see verse 20 of Mark 1 for just a moment. It says, and immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat, this is James and John, with the hired servants, and went after him. 
Okay, so we understand that not only was their father there, but those that were also working on the crew, the ship crew were also there as well. All right, so he calls them from their boats after John is arrested, and they had already been following Jesus for some time. And the record shows us that these four, Andrew, Peter, Philip, and Nathaniel, were already disciples. So the question to ask is, if Peter and Andrew were following Jesus before John was arrested, then why were they fishing when Jesus called them? Because he hadn't called them full-time yet. Um, in, in the biblical culture, a person could be a disciple or a follower of a rabbi without giving up his occupation. Um, obviously, we see that in Andrew, because Andrew's still working, but he's a disciple of John. So there were times he was his disciple and following him around, and there were times he was doing business because he had things to take care of, okay? So chronologically, Peter, Andrew, Philip, and Nathaniel first became aware that Jesus was the Messiah, became his disciples while they're in Bethany, the other town beyond the Jordan, where John's baptizing, and yet they're still working for a living. Are you catching this? Am I going too fast? Am I going too slow? Okay. Like I said, this is before Jesus had moved and to Capernaum. He called them now here. He comes and says, all right, guys, it's time to ramp it up. All right? It's time to, to take a step up in your discipleship. Follow me, and I will, now he's talking in the future, I will make you fishers of men. So even after this calling to more intense discipleship, guess what? They still have their jobs. They continue fishing. They continue fishing. It's not because Jesus, it's not anything against Jesus. He's not telling them not to. He's talking about what the future holds. Come follow me. He says, I will make you fishers of men. I'm going I'm to put you in a whole new occupation. Okay? But the time hadn't come yet. All right? He's talking about that time. That final time Jesus calls them and the other fishermen is recorded in Luke chapter 5. This is the separate occasion where he calls them from their boats, all right? And, and, and this record is significantly different from the records that we just read in both Matthew and in Mark. Let's bring up Luke chapter 5, because in Matthew and Mark, if you remember, he's walking by the, the shore, and they're out in their boats, and he calls them out, right? He calls them and says, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. But Luke's account is quite different. Jesus is teaching the people, and the boats are empty, and the, these guys are over washing their nets, Okay? Let's look at verse 5, or verse 1, sorry. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, which is uh, the Sea of Galilee. Luke never refers it to a sea because it's really not a sea. It's like 8 miles by 13 miles. So Luke called it the lake of Gennesaret, but it's the same thing. And saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. You know, they say that the reason Jesus did this is because there was a massive crowd. They didn't have microphones back then. So he got back there a ways from, from the shore, and his voice would carry easier over the water so he could be better heard. He knew about acoustics. That's kind of cool. Anyway, uh, yeah, he made them up. Verse 4, and when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have, notice he's calling him Master. Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. How many of you ever been on that fishing trip? I have. That's not even fun. All fishing and no catching. 
And they, these guys, this is, they, they know, you, you would think, I mean, they're professionals, right? They know when the fish are biting, but, you know, you can't always predict it. They've had a rough night and with, with little results. They've toiled all night, and, but then watch this. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Now, it's interesting. Peter's about to find out something pretty miraculous here. That just submitting to that word, even when it didn't make sense to him. Because Peter, as a fisherman, had done everything within his power, within his knowledge. He's very experienced at this and caught nothing. But now Jesus is teaching him a whole new experience. That life with Jesus whoo, is a whole new experience, even in what you're doing on a regular basis. All right, he's going to show him this, a new aspect in his trade, a whole new way to think, a whole new thing to see. Nevertheless, at your word. Nevertheless, at your word. Huh? Some of you have been toiling and working hard, been striving with not the results you want to see. Take him at his word tonight. And just say, Lord, nevertheless, at your word, I'll do what you say. I'll do what you say. I receive your word. And watch this. But Simon, oh, uh, verse 5. And when they had done this, they, notice he's, well, who's they? I thought it was just Simon. Well, it's the whole crew. All right, it's Simon, it's Andrew probably, probably James and John are out there, or close to it anyway. And watch this. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Wow. So they signaled to their partners, that's James and John, in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they, the boats, began to sink. Wow. This is a big catch. One drop. Just one drop of that all night long. They had been dropping that net all night long. But nevertheless, at his word, things changed. At his word, everything changed. They dropped that thing down there and man, the fish came in. When Simon Peter saw it, now watch this, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now what, what causes him to respond this way? Don't we all see a little bit of ourselves here? Hmm? You all see a little bit of ourselves in Simon Peter here? The Lord blesses him with this abundance. And all Peter can think about is why he doesn't deserve it. Depart from me, I'm a sinful man. See, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repent. When he's good to you for no particular reason, when you've been a scoundrel, you've been a knucklehead, you've had a funky attitude, all of a sudden the goodness of God shows up. And you go, God, why would you do that? Huh? Aren't we all? Haven't we all partaken of that in our lives? That he just pours his grace on us in a moment when we seem to least deserve it. We don't deserve any of it. It's unearned, undeserved favor. But then there are those times that we know that we know, God, why would you do that now after I did what I did? Or after I said what I said? He's so good. Peter says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. I, I'm not worthy of this. I don't deserve this. 
For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, I love this, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. Welcome to full-time ministry, Peter. From now on. You see how it's, it's progressing. From now on. You'll catch me. So when they brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. There was a progression in this. It wasn't just a one-time occurrence. Jesus is leading them along the way. You know what he's doing? He's building a relationship with them. He gets into this boat, Peter, James, and John. They're close by. Calls the apostles from fishing to being full-time disciples from now on. And those words from now on are important. They mark that start right there. Whether well, in with him 24-7. Well, the last calling of the apostles was associated with a miracle. This, this one right here, the, the catching of such a huge haul of fish that those professional fishermen were completely baffled by this catch of fish. It seems certain that this miracle was designed to bring comfort to them and encourage them that those who had families to take care of, everything's going to be okay. I'm going to make sure you're covered. Nevertheless, that's your word. They left everything and followed. Now, I want you to notice what probably didn't happen is they probably didn't just leave immediately. Let's remember they had two boatfuls of fish. <laughs> I doubt they just let them rot there in the sun. So they got the fish to whoever they needed to. I'm sure that they probably brought a bunch to the market to sell it to make sure that their families were taken care of for a while. See, Jesus had all this figured out, and he was, he was showing them, you follow me, I got this taken care of, all right? I care about you and your house, all right? Everything's going to be all right. And, and along the way, see, they, they, they learned to trust him. They learned to, to they, first they believed that he was the Messiah. That was the start. But then they would listen to his teachings, and they, they would watch him. They would watch some of these miracles and say, well, this guy's the real deal. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. But then he did something personal for them. And that's, that's really what set the hook into these men. It's powerful, isn't it? So, uh, and, and this, this here, this passage here is the turning point where they would not look back. But it says that they forsook all and followed him. That means that they no longer were fishermen, but they kept their businesses. The business kept going. You mean to prove it to you? Yes, Pastor X, I want you to prove it to me. Okay, thank you for whoever that was out there. Let's go to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. It, it seems likely that they, that they handed the business over to be managed by someone else, probably some other family members, but, um, uh, so that they could follow Jesus on a full-time basis, which would explain John chapter 21. Let's turn there. This is the last scripture we'll touch on tonight. After these things, Jesus showed himself. Now, this is after Jesus rose from the dead, all right? After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way, he showed himself. Verse 2, Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, what? I'm going fishing. 
They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Back to square one. Huh? They show up there and tell the work crew, hey, we got it. We're going. I'm, I'm taking back over my business. Thank you. I'm going fishing. Because that's all he really knew to do. Because uh, Jesus dying didn't make no sense. So he just went back to what he knew. All right, I'll go back here. Went back to fishing. I love this. Keep, let's, let's keep going. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in. Is this familiar right here or what? They're not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Can we keep reading? I'm, I, I know I... I thought I told them to stop at 6, so I'll keep reading. Verse 7, listen to this. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, <laughs> who happened to be the guy writing this book, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Well, duh. We've been here before. And then when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. I love this guy. He didn't have any clothes on, right? He's out there fishing naked. It's Jesus, puts on his clothes, and then jumps in the water. But other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. And then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? <laughs> Knowing it was the Lord. And I think it's awesome. So they had breakfast there. And then Jesus gets Peter back on mission. You love me more than this job? Said, yeah, yes, I do. Feed my sheep. This is your calling. I called you to catch men. Catch men. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord, you know. It's time to catch men. Get back on mission. And it was at this moment, there's no way Peter could have seen what Jesus was really doing. Jesus isn't picking on Peter. He's not only restoring him, but he is authenticating him as the leader of the bunch. Feed my sheep. You're the guy who's going to feed them. You're the guy with the word in your mouth. And Peter became the, the, the head of this whole operation. And the day of Pentecost came after Jesus ascended into heaven where he would stand up and explain this phenomenon called the Spirit and the baptism of the Spirit speaking in other tongues and recall what the Scripture said and articulate this supernatural event. There's no way this fisherman could do that on his own. But see, Jesus said, I'm going to teach you to catch men. And guess what happened? When Peter stood up and he fed the people, he helped them understand what was happening through the Scriptures. Guess what? They caught some folks, 3,000 in that one meeting. 3,000. Well, as far as I know, Peter never went back to fishing. He got, he got addicted to this new catch. 
It's an awesome story. But does that help, help you now to understand kind of the progression here on how Jesus called them? And then the other guys came later on, came later on. But uh, there was a progression, especially with Peter and, and uh, Simon, or Simon and Peter and Andrew. Thank you, Eric. And John and James and um, calling them to more, to more, to more until finally they're full time. Now, whatever God has called you to, he's called you to do it. Remember, for his purpose. Whatever he's gifted, that desire he's put in your heart, there is a purpose attached to that thing. All right? He's not calling everybody necessarily into full-time ministry of preaching and teaching, but he's called you into the workforce or whatever that may be, whatever that looks like. But there's purpose to all of it. And in in that sense, when you connect his purpose to it, then it is a full-time ministry. It is a full-time ministry. All right? Remember that. Remember that, that. That way you never rely on your own resources and your own abilities. But you'll regularly say, at your word, I'm doing it your way. Whatever, whatever instructions you give me in my business, my education, whatever it may be, at your word, I'll follow that. I'll follow that. Amen. The truth is, you have such a better reality as a believer here today than just a disciple. Your sons and daughters, your children. That means what God has is yours. You've been brought into an inheritance. Amen. So you're running the family business. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for calling us into the glorious kingdom of your dear Son. Lord, you've translated us, the Scripture says, from darkness into light. What a miracle. What a, what a glorious salvation you've brought us into. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you for how patient you are, how enduring you are, how faithful you are, how loving you are continually, that we can fully trust you. Your word says that whoever believes on him will never be put to shame. Never be put to shame for believing on Jesus. He'll never let you down. He'll never steer you in the wrong direction. Thank God. You believe Him, He's going to show you something marvelous. I love this. I love the assurances that we have with our God. Our God is the only one who gives us assurances. You know that? He's the only one. Many people are, are serving other gods. They don't have any assurances. They got a hope. They got, and I mean hope as in a wishful thinking, you know. But they don't have any assurances. But you have an assurance. You have an assurance. Father, thank you now for being a very present help in time of need. Lord, those who have needs here tonight, whatever that may be, I thank you, Lord, you have an answer, you have a solution, you have help, you have resources, you've got strength, you've got wisdom. And I thank you, Father, 
for unlocking that for them. Whatever that need is, Lord, that you will supply that need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Whatever your need is tonight. If you're here tonight and you need God, you, need, you have a need right now and you need his attention, you need to say, just lift your hands to him and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you're doing that for me right now. Thank you that you're providing. Thank you that you're helping me. Thank you that you're strengthening me. Thank you, Lord, that you're making me a victor, helping me to see, God, the victory that has been given to me. Thank you, Lord, for, 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 for making that connection, helping me make that connection I need, God. Thank you, Lord, for healing my body in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for restoring my relationships. Thank you, Father God. And we thank you, Lord. At your word, at your word tonight, at your word. We don't want to do this in our own power and strength. We want your grace to be manifested in our lives in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com. 